Roundabout Season 2, presented by Nissan, is live now, and we're back to share more stories from the road and the memories made along the way. We're talking rest stops. If we're stopping to get gas, you will be timed. Misguided plans. I grew up in the city, so I have, like, you know, a healthy fear of real extreme darkness. <laughs> a lot of laughs. Y'all weird, but you, yeah, you, you were different. And so much more. Listen and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. The second time it's gone off. They never got home. They never got home. They never got home. Those, those, those boys. The second captain's world service. And I said, I want to win the league, but I want to win it better. You can understand that, can't you? Yes. Good luck. So he's almost like having a second captain in the team. <laughs> second captain, first captain, whatever. After what has felt like the longest build-up to a match in history with two thumping wins under Ireland's belt and with any idea of trying to be too clever about wanting to finish first or second in the pool banished from our minds, we are now finally into South Africa Match Week. Welcome to Monday Second Captain's Podcast. Hey Murph, hey Simon, hey, hey again. How's it going? How are you? I had to go back and look at the timeline. The pool was announced in December 2020. That's when we knew we were going to play in South Africa and Scotland. Wow. The date of the fixture, specifically the date and time yeah. and venue, was announced in February 2021. Oh so we have God. been building up to this one for more than two and a half years. <laughs> they've really given it every... I mean, were they concerned about ticket sales? Did they think it was, they were, that there was going to be a problem filling the filling the venue or something? I think ticket sales two and a half years. much of a problem there. You're going to be there, Si. You're going to all the games as long as... Yeah, as long as Ireland are in it. thing rolls on for Ireland. I know there's no cheering in the press box, but is there any singing allowed in the press box? What I'm asking you is, were you... Bopping along to "I Will Survive" by Gloria Gaynor in the middle of the match the other night. Well, what was amazing about that was the whole stadium atmosphere was more like a disco, and yeah. they had these warm-up guys who were a bit like DJs, and they were interviewing the fans. But the second "I Will Survive" came on, all the French fans seemed to instantly know the lyrics and to sing along. It was instantaneous. Well, the Irish really were joining in as well. Well, well I mean, the Irish that's a given. That's a given. Oh, sorry, of yeah. course. I mean, yeah. obviously. Ah, yeah. No, the massive songs like that, I think, cross sort of language barriers. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Oh, and, um, do you think people under thirty use the word disco anymore? Disco. I don't, disco. disco. Well, disco. Te- I don't, I don't disco think... tech was in my mind because that's what the French still use. <laughs> yeah, 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 you okay, see, yeah. disco tech everywhere. The disco tech. Yeah. Uh, Simon at uh, half twelve on Thursday. <laughs> Ken, this is not uh, Simon. Uh, everything shut an hour and a half ago. Ken, I know sometimes on these, <laughs> I know sometimes on these rugby shows when there's also a football podcast on the same day. I, I let you away without contributing much, but I'm going to need you here, buddy. Yeah. It's a big game. It's a big week. How are you feeling about the challenge posed by South Africa? I think Ireland will, will will beat South Africa and go on to win the World Cup. That's big. I thought you said England were going to win the World Cup. No, I think he said England were going to make the final. Well, England, which you'd have to say is a, is a bold but possibly more likely prediction than Ireland. Have you been enjoying the World Cup? Just the whole buzz. I've actually it. seen very little of it. No, but even just a narrative around just the buzz. The fact Everyone that gets behind the country. No, I found yeah. the I found the discourse around it obnoxious. In what way? Um, 
I'm not an I'm not naturally a huge Ireland rugby supporter, as you may know. Please. Some of the stuff about Ireland rugby is actually annoying me so much that I'm coming around to a pro Ireland winning the World Cup position. Oh, sorry, 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 sorry. You're saying you're saying football people. You're saying they're being obnoxious about that's rugby. That's the discourse. That's I wouldn't say they're all football people. I wouldn't say football people, no. No, I don't think they're all football people. Just not rugby people. There's just a little bit too much. Um, what, what's the sort of thing now, Ken, that's really getting your getting your goat? Like, what, what are we talking about here? Um... Well, I, it's an those impression. rugby lads. They'd sicken me. That's sort. They'd sicken you. That kind of thing. Is that is is that? Which which I mean broadly, I agree with. Yes, but like <laughs> you know, you can sometimes you're just like, oh come on, like why do we have to just be such dickheads all the time? You know, could we not just you know? Yeah. Why can't everyone not? I, be dickheads I'm, I'm sorry. All the time? I, I I didn't realize I was going to be talking about this so I should have collected my thoughts a Ken, little bit better Ken how obnoxious do Irish rugby fans have to be to get you back the other way back to your original oh, point of view well that's true I mean that's yeah, no, no, no. there's a, a few of them trying it's a dynamic process and so if Ireland actually do get past the quarter final then suddenly it's like England in a World Cup football yeah, World Cup yeah. then, then, then maybe I'll start to go hang on a second, what was I thinking <laughs> maybe I'm dicing with danger here yeah, you know they're not, never going to actually win it are they it's, it's alright to support them in the early rounds of course maybe even a quarter final <laughs> why put yourself through the nerves and anxiety of Euro 2021 all over again I just don't see again. why not I mean Ireland are, are like why shouldn't they win the World Cup well we'll know a lot more well, listen we can have this conversation again after mm. South Africa it's one way or the other we're going to know a lot more just one, one thing on the fans at the World Cup because yeah. I've, I've met loads over the last couple of weekends that I've met people like from Cavan uh, Leash uh, Hurling team uh, people come from London Brussels it's way more of a broad group than you meet in the Aviva at a Six Nations game. I guess mm. naturally they're coming from all over the world to come to France, but it's the atmosphere is ten times better than a Six Nations game. I spoke to James Ryan. We won't actually play it today, but I spoke to James Ryan about it after he said, "Yeah, it's the best. The atmosphere is just different." They've all been Cups. talking about it, and it was an obvious ploy after their first game because mm. Farrell and then all the players came out, and almost the first thing out of their mouths was to thank the support. So it's clearly something that he's yeah. saying to the players, or they're yeah. taking off their own bat that we better thank, we, you know, we better acknowledge what's going on here. Yeah. It's big. Yeah, there's a few factors. It's I think it's that generally it's that geographical mix of fans that come that's different to what you see in the Viva. The French fans that come along are amazing. The songs they're playing, like Gloria Gaynor, mm. uh, the weather definitely helps. Uh, where they're set, like the non-stadium was set in this park that was beautiful. So people were basically sitting out uh, playing trumpets and singing and dancing for hours before the match. Um, so it all sort of plays into a better atmosphere. But the, the other thing is people seem to watch it from start to finish. So even though there's Ireland are putting up huge scores, they're still cheering when somebody runs in the 60th try of the match. Don't we give out about the Aviva when they try to play music during games and so on? But it's fine when they do it in France, I suppose. I don't know. They're just getting We're the tone right. They're getting on. the tone right. <laughs> We're all on holidays. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We're less miserable. People are less miserable when they go to a match yeah. abroad rather than when we go and do it. Yeah. So. I think we can all agree on that. <laughs> we can hear Sexton obviously broke the record and celebrated accordingly. I have to say I quite enjoyed his celebration. It was nice that he did it with a try, but we can hear now from Sexton and also his head coach Andy Farrell post-match. Uh, there was plenty of stuff that we'll look back on early in the game where we're going to need to be um, more accurate and, and clinical next week uh, against the, the reigning world champions and uh, yeah, there's, there's plenty that we need to improve on for sure. Johnny, how different is it facing the South African defence in terms of time and space? Um, yeah, look, that's the, the thing that they, they pride themselves on, isn't it? They've uh, They've shown that they're a tough team to play against. Um, we need to be very accurate with, you know, when we decide to, to.
to take it on or, or when we decide to kick. Um, we, we probably learned a lot from the November international, I think. Um, but yeah, they, they try and put us under, they try and put everyone under a huge amount of pressure with their line speed and their their pressure at the breakdown. So it's something that uh, I think is very similar to what Tonga did at the, uh, in the first half. It will, will face something similar to that. So, um, you know, good preparation. You know, we, we took tonight's game for, for standalone. We wanted to, to give the Tongans the respect that they absolutely deserved because they're a very good team. Um, but it's a, it's a good uh, sort of dry run for what's ahead next week. Have you held much back in terms of power plays or lineup moves? Yes, loads. <laughs> loads. <laughs> That's all you're getting. <laughs> Did he mean it? Uh, loads he, and we're not getting any or just it, it turns out he was asked that question already it's not an amazing question anyway but I, I was actually asking it to Sexton you know and you, it's not that you're expecting specifics in the answer but it's sort of just get that feel for how much has this been looming in their mind ahead of all the other matches because as we said before the World Cup really the World Cup starts now as good as the score lines have been against Romania and Tonga like South Africa is essentially a different sport. Playing South mm. Africa is essentially a different sport because, as I said, that your time and space are cut down to the point where your decision-making process is interrupted and it's how you deal with composure, with pressure, with whether to pass, whether to kick. All those little elements change so fundamentally against South Africa. And I mean that compared to every other team, including England, France, the rest. They have the best defence in the world by a margin. What was your main positive from the performance against Tonga? It was a little hard to tell how well Ireland played, given Tonga were a good bit worse, I thought, than I thought they were going to be. I think yeah. most people thought they were going to be. Um, but the biggest positive, I think, was the line-out. We got 19 from 21. And then on top of that, it's and connected was the return to form and fitness of Rona Kelleher. And then I thought Dave Kilcoyne played well as well. The fact that he got to play was also important. Keller also carried well. The scrum looked solid with him and Kilcoyne on. Uh, and neither are first choice over the last few years, obviously. But I think are going to be vital next weekend. I'm I'm a little obsessed about the bench, both benches in this game. Um, reason being, this will be a tight game no matter what. So with 15, 20, 30 minutes to go, it's going to be a tight game. No, I don't think either team are going to run away with it. So the benches become really important. And South Africa's two main strengths are the defences we just discussed and their bench. And the bench thing is like a physical and psychological element yeah. in that their subs are what give them an edge and they don't mind being a couple behind with 20 to go. If they're a couple ahead with 20 minutes to go, then it's almost game over. And, you know, they've named it the, the bomb squad and they've invented this idea, they've employed this idea and then they market the idea. I think the name is important and it's as much for you to think about and worry about. So we're all falling for about. it then. We're all falling for well, what they they're Well, they are brilliant players. It's not this invented it, thing. No, but it's like the, you say Matt Williams always gets pissed off that we call New Zealand the All Blacks yeah. because yeah, that has this yeah, yeah. aura around yeah. his mystique and that's what they want and it helps him and he's probably right in certain ways. Yeah, it's there, a bit he's similar definitely the, touching on some truth there. A bit similar with the yeah. bomb squad whereas if everyone calls him the bomb squad and fixates on there being seven forwards on the bench then yeah. it's obviously going to get into opponents' heads. Totally. And it, it's, it's a scoreboard pressure of its own you know you think these first 60 minutes were hard against so and so wait till Orgy Snyman starts running at you and he's got fresh legs you know but without Malcolm Marks without Lou Diager who was out before the World Cup and us having Kelleher back fit so we don't know whether Kelleher or Sheehan will start I presume one will be starting one will be bench plus your pick of Baird Kilcoyne Jack Conan if he's back there's talk he might be back I don't see it personally Ian Henderson Joe McCarthy those are sensational options mm. 
and we may not quite have their scrummagers, right? And I don't think we have the same power runners they, as they do, but we've proper athletes come on. One of the most athletic benches we could ever put together. You spoke to the aforementioned Dave Kilcoyne after the match about the good vibes going around the Ireland squad at the moment. You've got to be so grateful to be a part of this squad. You know, it's by far the best Irish squad I've ever been involved in. You know, it's just such buy-in from the players you know everyone I think is so aligned and believes in what we're doing and you know everyone really enjoys it and respects it and has respect for the jersey and the environment and you couldn't ask for more you know it's definitely the happiest um, squad I've ever been part of with Ireland you know it's funny, Peter Armani said that about a year ago as well, like he was enjoying his rugby with Ireland more than he'd ever done his whole life. And is, is that coming from Andy Farrell? Is he kind of set in that culture, or is it coming from a few of the coaches? Uh, well, look, it, the book always stops with the head coach, and Faz is, you know, he's an incredible man. Uh, I actually think he's, you know, he's made people better men. Uh, you know, he's instilled great values in people. He leads by example, and you look at the type of characters he's brought in, you know, Paulie. Sai, Fogs, um, Caddy and even all the backroom staff and the players, you know, um, everyone in there is a great person and you feel um, you feel pressure to deliver for them for the effort that they put in during the week. You don't want to let anyone down, you wanna make sure you've everything covered, you're as prepped as best you can be to give, to do the person beside you a service for all the work that they're doing. So it's incredibly satisfying and happy environment to be in. Um, so yeah, couldn't say enough about it. Is it the balance between serious and fun? Is that is that what they're getting so right? That's different to before. Yeah, look, there's no uh, exactly. The, you know, when we're on it, we're extremely honest. You know, and that's the enjoyable thing. Everyone in here is an unbelievably competitive person. They want to get better every day, and I think he's got um, as many people with that mindset. Um, into one squad and those coaches who just keep on pushing and pushing the boundaries and you know he knows that uh, to do that you also have to be a very happy squad and a positive squad and have a great uh, atmosphere and energy around the place and everyone needs to contribute to that and we do and they do what the coaches do you know Fogs leads to crack um, with the coaches and a couple of us lead to crack with the players but there's great buy-in from everyone and um, as I said yeah it's a very um, happy place to be you guys are obviously playing like at the very top level of world rugby but still for you guys does the style of play impact how happy you are I mean like the style of play you play tonight lots of tries line breaks expansive open play 100% you know when you see some of the stuff you do in the training ground and prep all week coming off in the in the game it's so satisfying um, right down to the minute details you know the stuff we do with Paulie around line out Maul D you know, when you see all them moves coming off and uh, everything working, um, there's such a satisfaction in that. But then you sit down and tomorrow we're on the way home and you analyse it again and you realise, you know, there's so many opportunities we're still leaving out there. So it's like you're chasing this perfect game all the time. Um, you know, rugby isn't a perfect game and um, you're always, I suppose, chasing better every week and that's the beauty of this squad we're so honest and open with each other and the coaches are very open and honest with us and it's just you know no one takes offence everyone here just wants to make each other better and um, that's why it's such an enjoyable place to play Nice chat with Dave Kilcoyne there Sai. but there are rules in the camp it's not all happy clappy stuff because what? I read this week that yep Kilcoyne is one of three wait for it Ken mm-hmm. he's one of three sheriffs in the squad along with Jack Conan 
and James Ryan in charge of fines when teammates let the standard slip. I don't shy away from it, said Kilcoyne. Ken's already switching back to this is thing. This is why I'm bringing it up. I'm going to test him early on. I don't shy away from it. Law and order must be maintained in the squad. You already back off the rugby bandwagon? <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll allow it. Tigburn uh, had to show up to a press conference in a suit because he was late for a meeting. Or I something. did see. I saw that. Yeah. 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 That's, you know, that's three sheriffs. I'm not going to miss anything. There is that, there is it is that, a team of us, though, Ken. Yeah, I do wonder that. You of this. that us. Could we stop All using marketing us. slogans as a reason to hate the team, by the way? Yeah, it's, it's not. Uh, you can't I don't mind the other stuff. But that two-week well, layoff, though, after South, particularly if they if they do beat South Africa, then there's two weeks yeah. of uh, before the next game. Hysteria. That could. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We wouldn't yeah. even be. We wouldn't Check even make it out of the me. pool. Listen, Ken. <laughs> we should just roll it. We should be glad that that Ken is is with Ireland. For now, and if things change, I'm sure he won't be shy of telling us. Hey, at the moment, I'm just like, this is just a big sporting event, you know? Yeah. Let's go, Ireland. Shane Horgan on the way with Jerry Thornley. Shane was there at the Olympia last Thursday night for our big 10-year anniversary show, a night full of passion, laughs, tears, and drama. And I said, I want to win the league, but I want to win it better. You can Yes, good luck. So he's almost like having a second captain in the Second cap, first cap, whatever. I won't have anything to do with it. Yeah, okay. I won't but, have, but that, I won't that, that have anything ago. to do with it. I won't watch it. I won't engage with it. I'm not interested. It's a fucking shit show. Nothing has changed. I'm tired talking about it. I've got other things to do. I'm going to cover golf. <laughs> Can I? Yeah. I, I'm with Paul, by the way. Don't worry, there'll be no involvement no. whatsoever in this issue. Hey, hey, hey! Oh, Jesus. Oh, no. Oh, no. Speaking uh, of Pat Dill. Just that. <laughs> just that. Uh, congratulations on Ted. I don't want to break up the show, but congratulations. I'm 70 years old. I think I've still got most of my marbles. And they just... They don't. <laughs> and... Uh, <laughs> I've never seen Graham Soon as rattled in all his time on Sky. <clears throat> Can I do the big reveal about who's coming out? See this for yourself. <gasps> oh. What? Oh. Oh. Fucking hell, Paul McGrath. Yeah. Unbelievable. <laughs> the good wall revived there at the end. Top ten greatest Irish sports people. And nearly killed Stone Oof. dead. Oh, more to the point. It continues to wreak havoc with people's emotions. It was an amazing night. We came out for the rehearsal. I was thinking it's it's not that massive. You know, it's mm. it's big. It's bigger than Liberty Hall, sure. Then you come out live and the lighting's different and everything. There are people in the seats. And then you look, oh, God, there's an upper tier up there. That you'd literally had missed the first oh, yeah, time. Yeah, you you, or you would it, nearly yeah. miss oh, the first time. There really are 1,200 people here. This is absolutely insane. It's the biggest show we've ever done. Yeah. So thank you to all of you who came out it was, and made it such it a special was night. Absolutely, it was special, it was. It we'll was play special. that incredible Paul Kimmich interview in full next week on The World Service. It wasn't all as combative as the bit you just heard. A good bit of it was like that, but there were other, other parts to it sometimes, as well. Sometimes he was shouting at you and sometimes he was with shouting you. with you. I'm with Paul, says Murph. I, only, I didn't even pick that up at the time, yeah, Murph. Well. I'm only hearing that well, he after was, the event. He was seated closer to me. And I yeah, just that's felt true. I, you were on the same couch. You know, pin my colours to the mask. Graeme Souness is going to be available tomorrow for World Service members. Murph, I have to say, myself and Ken were sympathising with you because the next morning, after that emotional roller coaster, mm-hmm. you're up at the crack of dawn. Not podcasting like myself and Ken were. No. But signing, how many copies of your book? I signed 2,000 books on Friday morning. With your dodgy hand? With me dodgy hand, <laughs> yeah. Just took this, and I've left, I've left a splint off now. I mean, listen, at this stage, the damage is done. 
I, I, you know, who cares anymore? Medic, uh, medicine has failed me, so I might as well just crack on and slide as many copies of this book as you I did can. Do, you did go for an MRI at some point, so you know, maybe the results will I did, The results will come in eventually. I don't know. How long Christmas. did it take? Uh, I did 850 in Eason's, in the Eason's warehouse in under an hour. No, wait. Yeah, it was about an hour. Yeah. No, it's a, literally a three-person job. Yeah. One person opens it to the page that you're supposed to sign. Another person slides it in front. I sign, I slide what? away. Yeah. You've got two helpers. Yeah. Well, listen, it would it would literally take, I would say, 15 times longer if you had to open every book. This is big time. Could the opener and slider not be the one person? No. No. <laughs> See, this more What of kind of a pen were you using? Uh, I used a Sharpie. I actually but experimented with not, a few does, of them. Does it not leak through the, the pages? No, it's absolutely fine. Depends on the thickness of the Sharpie, but I went with a thin nib. So also, the quality of the paper, Kenya. Obviously, you know, this is the life is published in high quality, A grade paper. Egyptian it is, cotton. It is, it is penguin. <laughs> you're launching. <laughs> you're launching your book. God, I can't wait till this bit's over. Oh, this whole I know, this Murph. Well, and you're going to love Thursday Night Murph because, or Simon, I should say, you're launching it the only way you know how, Kieran. By making me do all the work. Yes. And presenting. And I do, presenting I do your thank you book for launch. that. Yeah. <laughs> We're all going to the Sugar Club on, when is it, Thursday, September 21st, this Thursday, for 7pm, where we're going to record Friday's World Service podcast. It's going to include a chat with second captains, GA legends, Jamie Wall and Ushin McConville. If you want a pair of free tickets to this live recording of the second captains podcast, then just email us with Sugar Club in the title of the email. And we'll, or gallons, but Sugar Club is probably better. <laughs> and we'll pick out 50 listeners at random. How much do those tickets cost? Again, uh, they're they're free. free on. And you know, what, you know what a pair of free tickets would really get me in the mood for? It'd really get me in the mood to buy multiple copies of the book on sale at that free event. Oh, you might actually bring a few along. You've thought ahead. Oh, there will be booksellers yeah, here. Yeah. So if, you, if you're eager to pick up a sign, but also perhaps with a little personal message... On the front, I mean, not too long. I mean, have you I told you how long I have? It takes to actually sign these. Have things. you chosen a charity yet? <laughs> <laughs> Unbelievable. Can people specify their own charity? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You can donate to charity, or you can buy my book. Either of those things, you can do either of those things at my lodge. Absolutely, I can save some of this for Thursday. Absolutely fine. <laughs> Email editor at com with Sugar Globe in the title if you're interested in coming along and celebrating what will be a, a wonderful. Night with first time author Kieran Murphy. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two year contracts, they said, What the f are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass? So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Roundabout Season 2, presented by Nissan, is live now. And we're back to share more stories from the road and the memories made along the way. We're talking rest stops. If we're stopping to get gas. You will be timed. Misguided plans. I grew up in the city, so I have like, you know, a healthy fear of real extreme darkness. <laughs> a lot of laughs. Y'all weird, but you, yeah, you, you were different. And so much more. Listen and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Eighty minutes is up because. 
Thomas is an incredible gun gun off here. Yeah, my apartment's going to be stacked full of lads. Lovely ten lads coming over. Uh, for the whole thing, so it's going to be absolutely carnage. It's going to be absolutely carnage. Absolutely carnage. Absolutely carnage. Absolutely carnage. We stacked full of lads. Lovely ten lads coming over. Carnage. Simon, I don't know what you're doing toweling off there. Keep that top off and hit that bomb one more time. Shane Horgan is on today in a slightly more sedate atmosphere than a packed out Olympia on Thursday. Shane, hope you enjoyed Thursday night. I did. I had a brilliant time. Uh, the crowd were phenomenal as yeah. well. We got a great listenership, and it was nice to do uh, something. Ten years. Yeah. Oh my yeah, god. Yeah, that's the only. But that's the only downside <laughs> to it, lads. <laughs> well, it's now. It's great having you over. So thanks so much for that. And for the first time this tournament, Jerry Thornley, how are you? Good, thank you. And you on? Good, good, good. Well, pretty good after the other night. I mean, it's a close to a perfect night. A big score. You got. The subs a run out from early on. Sexton breaks the Irish scoring record. Aside from, I guess how how grim it is for the lesser nations to take tankings like this. From the point of view of Ireland's World Cup chances, it felt pretty good. Yeah, I think we got to give credit to Portugal and Uruguay. They were a good bit, particularly Uruguay, were a good bit more competitive against France than we expected. But I think Romania kind of distorted slightly. They're probably the weakest team in the competition, um, and they're even slightly fortunate to even be in the competition. But uh, yeah, I thought it was a good night for Ireland. Um, obviously, it was vindication for Andy Farrell, not that he was looking for vindication because the selection was questioned. I was listening to Matt Williams saying that he apparently thinks, well, no team has ever won the World Cup by playing their frontline team for seven games in a row. But of course, the difference in this World Cup is that after the South African match, there's a down week. Um, it's the first time this has ever happened for uh, in the World Cup. And it's happened probably with ideal timing for Ireland coming after a round three game against South Africa two weeks out before the match against Scotland. So, um, and I also think there's another key factors work as well in that South Africa and New Zealand particularly, um, not so Australia, but they're kind of more in season. So therefore Ireland's momentum that they would have had immediately after the Six Nations had been interrupted, as was the case for all the European teams by the summer break. And so they're generating building momentum and cohesion again. So I think it was definitely worthwhile exercise bringing the frontline team together like that. I think also there was a warning shot in Bayan with the game against Samoa. So all in all, yeah, there were teething problems in the first quarter. I'm sure Shane will highlight them as well, that a few breakdown issues, they were perhaps setting up their targets a bit to be hit hard by the Tongans. But you're, that's kind of a price you're going to pay. It goes with the territory of being a kind of ball-in-hand, attacking possession-based side like Ireland are. And uh, another feature for me is the way they um, cope with the outside-in blitz defence, which is very popular in this World Cup, it seems. England are using it, South Africa are using it, France are using it. And with those balls back inside, that fizz pass from Johnny Sexton back into Caelan Doris and all those runners lurking behind the ruck, packing it close to the ruck. It's very hard to defend and it shows with a very attacking game Ireland can bring to the party. And it happened again, didn't it, with the Conor Murray inside the Bundiaki, um for uh, Johnny Sexton's try as well, for the bonus point try. And uh, yeah, and it showed what a good side Ireland can be when the line-out is running as smoothly as that, 12 out of 12 in the first half. And lots of bonuses in the game time that some players got. Robbie Henshaw's World Cup is up and running. Ronan Keller played superbly. Great to see him back. Good to see Tyke Farnham put in such a spring heel, 72 minutes. Andrew Porter, phenomenal. James Ryan, and so on and so on. And of course, the old man himself um, <laughs> played almost as well as ever. Yeah, it's not about personal achievement, Johnny Sexton said in his post-match interview. But he could have fooled me, judging by the celebration of the try, Shane. <laughs> It is, but I love it. I love it. it. Made me happy seeing him celebrate like that because it's a massive milestone and it's the World Cup. And one of the sort of mild annoyances, but with professionalism, is is that you're not meant to celebrate. And um, 
you know, when you do achieve something like that, he was right too. It's an amazing achievement. It meant something to him. Of course, it should mean something to him. And he is a very much um, a team first player, always has been. But when you do hit something like that, and I mentioned to, to Joe McCarthy the week before, scoring a try in the World Cup, celebrate it because it doesn't come around often and, and you should. I disagree with Matt on, on the, on the selection. selection. I thought it was a really good selection. Listen, all but four players uh, have contributed to Ireland over the course of the two, two games. And two of them, um, Conan and Dan Sheehan, <clears throat> are for, for, for injury reasons. And actually... Probably the others are kind of for injury reasons as well. With with, with um what um that uh, niggle to to Henshaw, uh, before um the first game and 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 you know maybe uh, having to change things around slightly. Um, so what you've got is a you've, I don't think it's so much of a keeping a team fresh because this team are fresh. You know they don't have a million miles on the clock. They've done big training beforehand. They've got a sequence of games which is tough, but it's going to be tough anyway. They are absolutely mad to play he's practically having to drag the players off the pitch when he's when he's putting when he was asking them to come off and um and you've also got so you've got the vast majority of the team um feel as if um, that they are contributing and are contributing to, to the performance and that is almost for me or, or certainly more important than actually the rest that the camp is happy and what andy farrell has been able to do over the last number of years is create the, the right type of vibes in in the camp and the vibes are very good for Ireland at the moment and I know that's a little bit of cod science and it's you know kind of silly but that's where you know you your best performances come out of we know that Ireland have very capable players who have a very very high skill level we saw much of that um at the weekend but the um their ability to deliver performances in a relaxed manner in these opening two games with no injuries has been a real, I think a real bonus um, and sets us or sets them, should I say, in very good stead uh, for, for the rest of the challenges. And I, I do feel a lot more comfortable. I know it's only two sort of, you know, second um, or maybe even third tier nations. Um, but I, I feel a lot more comfortable for um, seeing how comfortable the Irish team are on the, in their own skin. Totally. And uh, it's funny, Dave Kilcoyne, James Ryan, obviously Peter Manley about a year, year and a half ago, have all said this is their favourite Irish camp they've ever been in. I think both off the field and then on the field, like the the style of play, the style of rugby that they currently employ makes players happier. And and Sexton looks so happy. I mean, on and off the pitch, I know it was a, a record points moment for him, but just it's still playing Tonga. He's played far bigger games throughout his career, but it was spontaneous. It was natural. You could see there was a, a real joy there. And watching the likes of him, obviously, is he 38 now? Bundy, Peter Armani, Connor Murray, all in their mid or in Sexton's case, late 30s, hitting, I think, career best form. And it's kind of rare you see this, particularly in a sport like rugby, that these fellas would play their best rugby in their mid 30s. It's extraordinary, really. I mean, I think it's absolutely fair to safe to say that Bundy Aki, at 33 years of age, is playing the best rugby of his life. Uh, Conor Murray at 34 looks rejuvenated. Peter Armani at 34 looks as good as ever. And Old Man River himself, 38 years of age. I mean, Ireland's oldest ever international player after a break of almost six months, which I think is the longest in his career, to come back and produce 60-odd minutes and 40 minutes of that quality with that accuracy in his running game, passing game, and his accuracy off the tee is quite extraordinary. I mean, yeah, whatever they've done in pre-season, for once we can say... 
an Irish pre-season before a World Cup has been nailed, really properly nailed. And it's the one thing we're constantly hearing from the squad is that almost from day one, all the fitness work they've done has all been rugby related. There's always been rugby balls in every training session. And you can see it in the high skill levels as well. I mean, it's just whether it's Andrew Porter at the back, tight front on tip on to Rob Herring, whatever. it's from 1 to 15, they've got the skills to play this game as well. And I wonder, is Bundy, Bundy's form partly to do with whatever went wrong at Connacht for him last season? He seems to have a real bee in his bonnet after his relationship soured with Andy Friend. I don't know what it is, but he is just, his stats are a joke in the opening two games. He probably should have been man of the match in the first game. And he definitely deserved in the second. He is, his range of passing is good. His carrying game, his explosiveness, his footwork, the regularity with which he gets over the game line. Because he was doing it more efficiently than anybody else against the Tongans who were lining all the Irish players up whenever they could for big hits. But Bundyaki kept carrying over the game line. It's a great reference point for the attack. Um, yeah, it's uh, they, whatever they've done in preseason, they've clearly nailed it. Yeah, Jerry, they look exceptionally well conditioned, and I know, um, you know, some Jason Carman will be you know front and center in that, but you know, Ireland over years have prided themselves on the conditioning, but they do seem to have taken things to another level. The other element of this is, I think they it's not like believing the hype, but they believe in themselves, and um, you know, we you mentioned sort of you know the older demographic of players. Um, you know that confidence to to play the way they're playing sometimes takes you know a, a, a long period, and your coach can tell you that you're good enough for you know, and and your psychologist. But actually, it's ingrained now within them because mm-hmm. they know they can deliver a, a a level of performance without the anxiety um, that sometimes impinges performance. And and I was listening to Johnny Wilkinson talk about you know the mindset for dropping goals just before the England game, and. Um, you know, he was thinking how much of it is is um, psychological and thinking that, you know, you've done the work, that you have the right to be able to take this drop goal and that you are going to hit it uh, between the uprights. And and I'm sort of paraphrasing, but that was the, you know, the, the kind of the sentiment was that you have to feel as if you, you know, deserve to be able to do what you're doing. And I think that's where these players are at the moment. Uh, they just feel comfortable in their own skin and they, you know, that they're playing, uh, um, you know, a high level and a high um, difficulty game plan, but they're very confident in their ability to deliver that game plan. And, and you know, that is, you know, maybe more important because you can maybe have skills, but they break down under under pressure and they're not currently breaking down. Now, I know there's going to be the challenges ahead. I know they're going to be bigger, but that. You know, I, I do have a, a, just a feeling that they're going to continue in that manner. They're not going to constrict. And if they don't constrict, they've got such an enormous opportunity, you know. And as you said, led by Sexton, who I, I didn't realize, he, I know he's 38, but for some reason I had in my head that, oh, she, he can't be 38 and playing that well and leading a team in a World Cup. And he looks as sprightly and fresh as, as he's done for, for many years and, and, kind of a, a ridiculous that a 38 year old yeah. can look so comfortable comfortable and play so well and and not have the not um his body or his ability break down in the ways that we see players much younger than that break down and you know and, and brilliant players across the world not just in ireland but in sort of every country in the world you think these players will go on forever but they don't and they fall off a cliff and somehow he's got the 38 and he hasn't fallen off. Sh- Shane, can I just ask you, is it, is it a little bit grim all the same? We've scored 140 points over the first two games. I mean, for the sport as a whole, that we're taking 
this feel-good factor based on how massive a beating we deliver to these far lesser nations? Um, for the sport overall, it's yeah. not a good thing. And we talked for years about, you know, closing the gap. The gap isn't closing, you know. Um, uh, Fiji are, have a, a sort of an incredible generation of talent that you can see are are playing, you know, a high level club rugby. And a lot of that is transferring. It's not, you know, you, they've always had the, the, the kind of talent, but you don't think that they've had the sort of framework around them. Um, and the sort of you know tactical news to deliver, or the or even the sort of you know the um, um, the hard nosedness to deliver performances, they're doing that now, and they look like this. I think they look like the strongest team on that side of the draw. I know they lost to Wales, but you know if that game was played again, I think you know Fiji wins. So they could potentially be the best uh, team on that side of the draw. The others aren't as good or or anywhere near it. And um, you know if anything. Um, the, uh, the the gaps are wide, widening with um, you know with the depth of professionalism that n- you now see with South Africa and of course New Zealand, um, Ireland, England, all of them. Um, you know there is there is this is not even anywhere near competitive, and um, it's a conversation. It's not really one that I'm interested in to be honest with you right now because this feels to me. Like if ever there was an opportunity for Ireland to win, this is the tournament to win. There's no massive stand outside that you think are these scary monsters that are unbeatable. Yes, they're very good teams, uh, but this this is Ireland's and and you know I've got <laughs> I've got to focus on that right now. If there's something to be done to address these other things, which I think are very difficult, and I don't see the gap closing. To be honest with you, um, you know it, it's one for maybe after the tournament. Yeah, well, I think Romania and Namibia, and I'm probably forgetting one or two more, are particularly bad. But as Jerry touched on, the, the likes of Portugal, we don't know Samoa yet. Fiji are better. Uruguay are better. Chile might be terrible. But we, I think there's some teams who are, are just not closing the gap at all. But then there are a few that are. And at the uh, moment... Are they, at the, at the are, mo- they, well, are they a tiny... Like, I know, listen, you know, the France game... Well, let's like, see Samoa. I, I'm not sure. Uh, Shane is another one. Um, you just mentioned Fiji. Portugal just put in a great performance. Really well coached. But we also have to take into account just how good... Like, this is probably the best Ireland team of all time. So they're putting huge scores on a team like Tonga, who mightn't be quite as bad as they looked. The, the, the uh, reason I brought up today is because it's probably the only time we will mention yeah. it. If we're going to start yeah. getting, if, we, if this tournament goes as we hope from here, yeah. obviously we'll all have forgotten about yeah. the, and, these and look, early the, games. For and sure, rugby is flawed that the there's this huge drop-off after the, kind of the 11th or 12th team and the rest of them just don't even play it full-time. And that gets shown up in a weekend like this in the World Cup. This will be the worst weekend of the World Cup, the one that we just saw. But Jerry, I just want to move it on to the South Africa game. And before we get into the nitty-gritty to rate the importance of this game in your mind for Ireland, in that it's not a must-win, we still have Scotland afterwards, but that if we do win, it takes the pressure off the Scotland game, we probably avoid France, then if we win the group, we get an extra day's rest for the quarter-final, and also just how good we'll feel about ourselves if we beat, it'll be our best ever win. I know we've beaten Australia and we've beaten the likes of France before in World Cups, but it will probably be the best team we've ever beaten in a World Cup. No question it will be. The reigning world champions... They've conceded two tries in their last seven World Cup matches. They've conceded three points in two games in this tournament. And for all the reasons you outlined there, I think it has, there's been a pub debate going on in Irish pubs for about a year that I'm sure gathered momentum since opening night in Paris when France beat the All Blacks. I was there. I think France in Paris after the Marseillaise with the referee, with 80,000 people all putting that pressure on the officials for every decision. Um, how the derision whenever there's a 
an, an incident of foul play against a French player and has replayed continuously in the big screens. It, and, and most of all, when they cut loose in the second half and imposed their power game and went for penalty to the corner and really started going for their try that Jalabert laid on for Penno and that X-factor that Penno and Jalabert and others bring, they look to me very, very difficult to stop. I think that will be the hardest task for any team to beat France in Paris, be it in a quarterfinal or a final. You could argue that it might even be more difficult in a final if, say, Wayne Barnes is the referee. We saw what happened in 2011 when New Zealand were at home. You know, it's going to be... I, I would say it might even be tougher to beat France in a final than a quarterfinal. Who knows? But I'd love to see Ireland get to a final. So for that reason, I think their best route to get to a final, I'm not saying the All Blacks are going to be pushovers at all. I'm not saying Scotland are going to be pushovers at all. But I think when we look back on this World Cup, if Ireland have beaten South Africa, I'm pretty sure we'll see it as a very defining game in Ireland's tournament. And as you say, it would be great for the momentum they would take into that Scottish game with a two-week break. They'd be well positioned to top the pool, which I know Ireland have done before in 2011, 2015. Even that comes with no guarantees. But I just think that would be what? It would be Would it be a 28th win in 30 matches? Would it be a record 16 wins in a row? That's real kind of... That's even better than the kind of form England brought into the 2003 knockout stages. So I think, yes, for all those reasons we've just talked about, it is a monumental game. Um, and yeah potentially pool-defining and even World Cup-defining for Ireland. It was you, Jerry, who described the tight furlong as spring-heeled and you've both talked about the conditioning. I have to say, I actually thought he looked a bit wrecked. There was, a, <clears throat> there was a moment after the James okay. Lowe try, just around the hour, where now maybe he just happened to have done a lung-busting run right before this. His hands are on top of his head, he's blowing hard, and you're just thinking, even psychologically, he thinks he's off the pitch, he thinks he's getting a rest, then he's back on again. Would you be a little bit concerned if Bealham has is out with a HIA about the, the team we're going to field and the bench we're going to have in the front row? Well, front row is, you know, it's it's always been thus with the Irish rugby. Like for 20 years, John Hayes and Mike Ross were basically the only two tight heads Ireland had. But certainly for 15 years in Six Nations, they played pretty much every single game at number three. Ireland has never been particularly well stocked with props. We both know the importance of Porter and Furlan to this cause. Most likely, they're going to... they're to the men that are probably going to have to go 70 minutes plus against the Springboks if Ireland are to win this game. So, yes, that will be, in answer to your question, I think Bealham, it would be unfortunate if he misses this game for sure. He's He's been one of Ireland's most unsung heroes in the last year. During the Six Nations, the first two rounds, he was he was so good that there actually was an argument for when Tyke Farland came back that, Tyke, you can ease yourself back from the bench against Italy. We're going to let Bealham start again. That's the kind of form he was at. And he... He, we wouldn't have thought of Bealham in that context two years ago. Shane, just watching the form of Connor Murray and the style of game he has, kicking game, uh, probably a better defender than Gibson Park. Is there an argument for starting him and bringing Gibson Park off the bench? No, I don't think so. I think um, Ireland will need the tempoed game to break down South Africa in particular. And we have seen Ireland start very fast in Six Nations games, and it's been a hallmark of some of their best performances when they've got out of the um, uh, the blocks quickly. Um, more importantly than maybe against other any other team is to keep a tempo and a momentum uh, against the Springboks because we know the way they uh, can get up out of the, uh, off the defensive line, huge numbers in the um, in the front field, and and swarm 10, 12, 13 channel and make it very difficult for for any sort of play. Um, so 
you know, we have seen Ireland want to play that sort of second wave coming around, so drop off passes um, from the big fours of that first pod. Um, that becomes very difficult to do. Um, if you don't have the tempo and the difference between and listen, Con- Conor Murray is not it's not um it's not like he can't put tempo into the game, but it's just the more natural um state of affairs for for Gibson Park. And I think the team there's an overall reaction to the to his um um when he's when he's starting at nine, the sort of uh, the team know that they're going to be under pressure. They need to be set earlier, and um you know th- that he offers that uh, extra tempo. So um. Yeah, I I would certainly start with him, and you know, that's not to say that Conor Murray doesn't have a a, a part to play or or can't have an impact. The other element to this is that I think kicking game is going to be hugely important um, against South Africa, and um, if you don't bring uh, an effective um, kicking game against them, they will uh, take chances and and leave space in the backfield and even increase their line speed uh, even more. Um, so there's no doubt that Gibson Park. Will have to bring the you know the full three sixty uh, game to the um, you know game plan to and skill set uh, to this match if they want to um, you know if they want to counteract what South Africa will bring, which is the probably the most aggressive uh, line speed of any team in the world. Jerry, what do you think about Murray and also the idea of maybe I thought Keller's form was great and the fact that he threw so well was huge for Ireland. Starting him with Sheen coming off the bench, I'm just thinking, say the box do go seven one. But then on the bench, and if we were to go with Sheehan, Henderson, Baird, Gibson Park and Henshaw, that's a brilliant bench as well to come off and equally as good as anything South Africa could bring on. Yeah, and you've also got Joe McCarthy in the mix or Jack Conan quite conceivably as well. I think it's a bit bit of a a defining week for Jack Conan's World Cup as well. And fingers crossed he comes through after what happened to him four years ago. I think if he was to train fully this week, he would be a viable option off the bench as well. That seems like a big ask. As much as we we all on this podcast want Jack Conan yeah. to be involved, it seems like yeah. a big ask though, doesn't he's, it? He's, he, well, it it's a measure of the value in which the Irish management hold him that he's still here six weeks after that injury. And they've given him until this week to prove his fitness. And he's if you look back at that, that last run I've been talking about of you know, only two defeats in 29 matches. It's until this run of games now, until the Italian game, I think he'd only missed two of all those matches for Ireland. A lot of them are off the bench, 13 or so more off the bench than starting. But he has been a, a factor in this resurgence in Irish rugby, more so than we probably realise if you actually look at the stats. Anyway, I just you're right. I think it will be a very impactful bench with Sheen on the bench. Similarly, he hasn't played in five weeks, so it makes sense for him to maybe ease back in, particularly given the form of Ronan Keller. Um, his darts were outstanding. Of course, Tonga didn't compete in the air nearly as much as the Springboks do, and they probably got the best defensive line out in the world. Everything they do in defence is probably the best, and that includes their line out and their scrum and their counter rucking. They give you absolutely nothing for free. It's unrelenting pressure game for eighty minutes, and that goes to the line out as well. But in terms of scrum, I just thought maybe the scrum looks a bit more solid with Ronan Keller in, in the front row as well. So I think yeah, there's a good argument for starting Keller. I'd probably side on balance with Shane about the Conor Murray Jemison Gibson Park one. For some reason, the, the, the press conference last Thursday was cut short, as a lot of press conferences over here are being cut short. And uh, we never got around to asking about Gibson Park, which was probably remiss of us. And it seemed odd, we're watching him train fully. He was at the captain's run on Friday. He was training on, on the pitch on Saturday night against Tonga. I saw him out there. He looked absolutely fine that he wasn't involved. Um, I would imagine, though, that he'll come back in to start. Maybe he just didn't want to show their full hand. A week out from South Africa, I would imagine Gibson Park will look will start. As Shane talks about that quick tempo from the start, Ireland scored tries in the first five or six minutes in each of the three tests in New Zealand, and they might be 
a quick start would be very handy for this game as well. And I think Conor Murray has proven in the past that he is a, he can be very, very effective off the bench as well, just with that experience and savvy and knowledge and composure and just being able to read what happens. So many times we've seen him come on and pressure cooker situations, like twicking him away that time. Ireland were struggling to put away a 14-man side. And Murray came on and just brought real calmness and authority and called the right plays and Ireland pulled clear. So I think probably on balance, they will go with Gibson Park to start and Keller to start. And most of the bench you outlined there with possibly Jack Conan in there as well. It depends, I think, at Hooker, uh, how confident they are about Dan Sheehan's um, fitness. And I don't mean fitness as to get through the game, uh, you know, to, to get through 90 minutes. But I, I mean whether their fear that he may break down, his injury may break down again. Um, if they do have that sort of in the back of their head, they may start with him um, because, you know, Callagher can, can then come on. And they wouldn't want a situation where uh, Callagher comes off, he comes, you know, Sheehan comes on, and then he has to go off again. So that may be in the back of their mind. But I don't suspect that it will be because I think they won't risk. I think if players fit, they're fit. Um, so under those circumstances, I think Callagher uh, uh, will start and should start. Um, and I would really relish seeing Dan Sheehan come off the bench sort of midway through the second half when things are starting to loosen up again. And we are seeing, you know, the, 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 the type of play, but there's a marked difference between the type of play and uh, no matter which teams you've seen in the first half and the second half of this competition, you know, it, it is there. There's a, you know, it does loosen up and Sheehan is the man for, um, you know, a looser environment in the last, you know, 20, 25 minutes of a rugby match. Just one more thing in that on Shane, and that is that with Julian Marshall injured for France and Malcolm Marks out of the World Cup for South Africa, Ireland's depth chart at hooker is probably better than any other team in the competition. What about Fiji, guys? At the weekend, we've both, we've referenced them earlier, Jerry. They probably should have won by more, to be honest. They were totally dominant. Extraordinary, yeah. They they should have beaten Wales. I was at that game. It was a belter of a game. Was, you're right about this weekend, Simon, probably being the... The least exciting weekend of the whole pool stages, and that was partly because they overloaded the first week and um, so much with so many big games, about four of them that were going to define pools and the beginning with the France All Blacks game, including that belter between Fiji and Wales, which Fiji should have won. I'm sure you've analysed that game to death. And then against Australia, since, well, yeah, Fiji have got a great chance here. They could well win this, and yet they could also blow it, and they nearly blew it, and yet they deserve to win it. Um, they played all the rugby um, and yet you somehow felt that they might still get caught at the end. It might come back to haunt them that they didn't get the last penalty to deny Australia a bonus point because this could be a very, very tight tussle now. Certainly the most competitive and interesting pool in the World Cup. But yeah, Fiji, it's a golden generation, as Shane talks about. And it's also the fact that they've got a, a super rugby team um, playing professionally as well, as well as their sprinkling of stardust from all around Europe and elsewhere. So it's probably the best Fijian team to ever play in the World Cup. And they, they've got a great chance now, given they got the two bonus points against Wales at least, of um, going through, which makes Wales-Australia close to a knockout tie, which is quite interesting. Yeah, it does feel like that. Um, this Fiji side offers something else as well and why they could end up in a final here. Nobody else plays like them. Mm-hmm. And, um, and as a result, teams are not used to playing against them. And, you know, you're... Teams are comfortable in what they see every week or every you know every month or every year, and and you just don't get that. And even Fiji outside of World Cup are not playing like this. Fiji. So what are they doing, Shane? Are, what are they doing? Are, this are different. Playing? Well, I was going to say they'd be good if they'd only get an offloading game together. <laughs> <laughs> they, they have you know such a strong offload, but it it's also well, there's an element of quite high risk in, in that. 
um, it, it's not reckless, and that they actually cover their mistakes quite well. When they where they you know where the ball does go on deck, you'll see that they do recover and regenerate and start again. So, um. It is, uh, you know, it's a it's a much looser game than than um, um, any opposition. Um, you're you're seeing um, how incredibly effective they are at the breakdown, how difficult they are to, rem- to to remove them off the ball if they go on. Like they have got 15 guys who are made to steal the ball. Every single one of them can do it, and actually every single one of them does it. So if then you've got an individual step and actually power and pace. And they're just an incredible team to watch. They're so much fun, you know, so much fun. They're like, you know, they're 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 playing this kind of you know globetrotter style, but in an effective way. Now, my my concern is around sort of line out time, and we saw, Ooh. you know, the line out was absolutely you know, sort of shambolic, so shambolic that um, Australia decided to kick the ball out with only ninety seconds left and needing two scores, or certainly, you know, I suppose that time was was a converted try to to draw the game. They did it because they thought actually that's the most effective way of going up the field here is to challenge their line out. So, you know, if 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 we were coaching against them, then you would just go kick every single ball off the field and break and, and slow the game down and just uh, revert to, to set pieces. Um that's possibly, you know, how how they opposition will play them going forward. But um if they get their line out game in, in operation and, and it is, you know, they even get to like seventy five percent of, of line out, slightly more then it, they're an extraordinarily d- difficult team to play against uh, for, for most countries. Yeah, I have to say, Australia look probably the worst coached team there now. And I know they'll probably still get through that group one way or another. But Jerry, I would fear, amazingly, of that side of the group, if you were to meet them in a semi, I'd fear England the most just because of the wind, okay. the slight momentum, the fact that they did now score a few tries. And they're, they're just that country that no matter how bad they are, they still believe and it doesn't take much for their confidence to go up. They've now won two games in a row with Farrell out with all that's been thrown at Ken them. Ken called terrible it, Simon, esti- uh, the Irish Times most esteemed rugby correspondent, Ken Early, <laughs> did say watch out for England over a long tournament. He, he remembers yeah. other tournaments the, of the past. What about it, Jerry? Well, yeah, and they they don't play an overcomplicated brand of rugby. They play a brand of rugby. They, they found their identity. They play a brand of rugby that suits what they have and they've got solid foundations um, in the in the pack at set piece time, they have a big kicking game as we know. George Ford has settled into a groove at ten. Their draw has been very favourable. They now have momentum. Their English fans abroad are better than their English fans at Twickenham. A bit like our own at times, in that they wear the colour and they sing more and they get behind the team. Um, I mean, if if you're a host city, you want one of the four home unions in this tournament because the four home unions just travel in such vast numbers, particularly England, Ireland, Wales, just vast numbers and they spend and they enjoy themselves and I think uh, yeah I just thought by comparison Australia I haven't really understood what Eddie Jones has been doing I think he's gone become like the Jose Mourinho of rugby now I just think I thought Australia at the time I said it made a big big mistake in getting rid of Dave Rennie I know Eddie Jones has got a a pedigree at World Cups but it was very short notice I thought Rennie was doing a really good job in many ways the players were so on board it was evident when they came to the Aviva Stadium in November and barely lost a very close game. They could have been five from five on that end of season tour and ended up, it was a two from five. They lost a couple of games, including by a point to Italy. A game that was foisted upon Rennie and the Wallabies by the Australian Rugby Union because they needed the Wonga. And um, he, so he rotated, as you would do, at the end of a long, tough year in your third game of five against Italy. And they missed a conversion to win the game. They were robbed of a win against the All Blacks by Matthew Reynolds' decision. Do you remember for the late dropout goal line restart? 
I mean, they could have had such a good year, and in many ways did. And I just thought they pulled the trigger too soon. And I think they made a mistake. And I think history will definitely judge them to have made a mistake, certainly with regard to this World Cup. Yeah, well, you think about, and we spoke about earlier, Andy Farrell being able to create vibes. Gatland is another man who creates a brilliant camp and it goes a long way in tournament uh, rugby. Um, it seems the opposite for Eddie, doesn't he? Like, they... they they're not a great group of players. That's I think that is clear. And and as I was watching some of them and and the errors that they were making against Fiji, I I was I was actually texting a rugby group of men and and said you, know, you look at the amazing players that Australia had when I was growing up in particular. You know the nineties, this the high level, the skill level, and and entertainment level, and and household names, and this. Aussie team sort of is pales in comparison to sort of any sort of um, comparison uh, to those. So it's not a great cohort, but um, they do. You know, Eddie has, I think, poisoned that camp. You know, mm. and there we we flagged before the tournament about um, creating a siege mentality, and and you can do that, but you can create a siege mentality, but you have to have a very strong internal. Um, you know, value system, and you have to be combined and very much together, and all singing off the same hymn sheet. Yeah. And you've got to not hate like the guy it. creating the season. Yeah, and you got you know, and you got to be. It's it's really projection outside, not like you know, not internally. And I think um, we're we're seeing that we're seeing the um, the product of him creating a, a fairly toxic atmosphere i did think i saw my text you last night i said you know i hope the aussie press are proud of themselves now they can take responsibility for that result according to any anyway what a load of nonsense that was yeah. so he he's done that and you know they are looking very meek as a result and and that is does look very much like a sort of a knockout game i expect fiji to go through um and and you know, I do expect probably Wales to, uh, sorry, to um, Australia to go out, which would be, you know, a disaster for them. Um, on the England side of things, um, I I still think they look quite fragile. You know, I think Ford is an excellent player. I'm glad he's playing a 10. Um, he's giving them, I think, a, a, a sheen and a gloss maybe that could be exposed um, later on in the tournament. Um, they will maintain... Um, and they are playing a very basic rugby. Jerry, lots of one-out runners. You know that's you know, and, and you're right. It it, it is, um, you know, sort of a, a reduced game plan, and they're delivering it okay. There are quite a lot of errors for a reduced game plan. And if you compare them, you know, well, we always say South Africa have a reduced game plan. Like only in some ways do they have a reduced game plan, and they're miles ahead of of England in what they're doing, and miles better. Uh, attacking options and and more power play and and less um, less errors and individual one on one and and speed and and agility out wide um, to break teams down. So, I think you know England are are the poor relation there, but they do have this really favourable draw. You know, so um, you know could they get to a final? Yeah, very much so. But you know, for all the the world, uh, you know, you got to think that it's got to come from the other side of the draw, the victors. We've been previewing this game for at least two years. Yeah. So who's going to win between Ireland and South Africa? That's what everyone's most interested in. Jerry first. Yeah, well, um, I remember somebody, once, I might have used this before on the show, that when I couldn't decide on a match one Friday, I rang this kind of mentor figure I had when I was in my younger days. And he said, well, if your life depended on it, who would you back? And I think that's a great piece of advice in the sense that obviously we'd all since long since be gone now, there'd be no left on the planet. If we were to put our life on the line, forecasting an outcome of a, fo- a football or rugby match or a sporting event of any kind at the weekend, but do I? If I had to, had to, had to decide who was going to win this game, I I do have a hunch it might well be Ireland. I just, I really do. I think they're, I think they might just be that little bit smarter, that little bit more nuanced in attack. 
I other thing as well is I don't I can't remember the last time an Irish side were physically bullied like the All Blacks did in the quarterfinals four years ago or has happened occasionally in the past. It doesn't happen under Andy Farrell's watch and this is a very supremely well-conditioned team. They've beaten South Africa before last November. I know Andre Ballard wasn't playing. I know it was a close game, but still in all, they did win that match. And if you put a gun to my head, yeah, I think I would just about go for Ireland. I don't think I would have said this before the tournament or even a few months ago, but I think Ireland are going to win the game. Um, Their preparation... Um, long-term preparation has been very good but their short-term preparation looks to have been excellent as well they look well-conditioned um, they look, as I said, very, very happy with themselves, very comfortable, we can see what their game plan is going to be and their ability to execute it um, they they weren't, they aren't going to have the hang-ups of, of beating in a South African team and I think their their confidence in themselves really has sort of, you know, has, has moved over to me and I haven't always felt like this I don't know necessarily if I say that um, Ireland, you know, are going to win the World Cup, um, but I think that if they can win this game, and I think they will win the game. Jerry, I was chatting to Shane McGrath, the male, at the Romania game actually, and we were just talking about South Africa, and you touched on it, and the sense of power, and we, they are a powerful team. They're probably the most powerful team in the world, but they also love the idea of being powerful. It's what gives them their energy and their belief and all the rest of it. But I also look across the team without Malcolm Marks and Lou Diager and Lucanio Am. Are they actually that much more powerful than Ireland? I think in their heads they are. I think maybe even Irish heads they are. But when it comes to the reality, are we going to get shoved back 10 metres in the scrum? Are they going to destroy us in the mall? I think they'll be slightly better in both those areas. In tackle, in breakdown, are they actually going to blow us away? Well, I wouldn't have thought so. And this is what I was saying earlier. I can't remember when that's happened to an Andy Farrell side. I don't think Andy Farrell would um, countenance it. I don't think any Andy Farrell side. I think it'd be more shame if that happened than if anything else happened. Um, I do think that South Africa will counter up like crazy, like nobody else does, uh, with in as, as frequently or as, with as much ferocity. Um, they will obviously try to smash Ireland um, with ferocious line speed playing Johnny Sexton's face. Um, and I was watching the Scotland game. I don't, the remaining game was kind of meaningless. I was watching the Scotland game purely from the prism from an Irish point of view, if this was Ireland playing South Africa. And a big difference for me is that almost too much goes through Finn Russell. It's like the Ireland when it kind of tailed off towards the end of Joe Schmidt area or other times in the past where Ireland were very, very Sexton dependent. Don't get me wrong, they're still very Sexton, Sexton dependent. The game is so much more nuanced now than, and the variety of first receivers is so great that whereas with Scotland, seemingly like 95% of the ball seemed to go through Finn Russell and he kept trying to do the same thing over and over again and they, they kept getting smashed and enveloped. He tried to vary it up. He said, I'm going to unlock this defence, whether by floating long passes or more often short passes, flat passes, but with ball and trying to delay, see if he could get, in, the, get inside the bits and he just... He just couldn't cope with the pressure that was coming out. And he got a fair old buffeting. And I don't see that. I think Ireland's attack, like I highlighted earlier in the show, with countering this outside in defence, with passes back inside to runners like Caelan Doris ghosting him from behind a rock, is much harder to defend against. And I think Ireland's attack will be way more varied. But I do think that is the key to the game. You know, will Ireland need two, three tries to get win this game, most probably? And whether they will be able to unlock that Springboks defence I think they can, but I think that will be the key. But in answer to your question, I don't see, you're right, like the Bond squad, the 7-1 split, it all fits that DNA. 
you know, when you see a French mall trundling forward, the crowd used to love it and it would give energy to the entire crowd and the team. In the same way, if the South Africans start, you know, counter-rucking, high-fiving each other afterwards, um, forcing turnovers, smashing Irish players in tackle, they will draw energy from that. Their fans will draw energy from that. I, it would, there will be occasions when it will happen, for sure. And that's it goes with the territory of what this Irish team tries to play. But overall, I think over the course of the 80 minutes, it's not going to happen sufficiently or in the, anything like the scale that it might have done in the past. Jerry, we need our second receiver to be able to vary their pass. It's a really yeah. crucial thing. Mm. And, and Bundiaki uh, has looked remarkable in this tournament so far. In the whole package has looked very good. But, you know, we also have Ringrose as well. We have um, Keane and we have actually a lot of forwards who can uh, pass the ball as well in, in with, with decent variety. So that's really key. And I, I was the same as you. I was looking at that um, Scotland game very much through with, with an Irish eye on it. And I thought... You know, one there's this heaps of pressure on their only real, um, you know, mover of the ball at ten. He's looking for the one over the top, and you can't get it. What actually might be is a very quick, and I mean a very quick, um, movement to a second receiver who then picks a pass. Who you know, there's someone coming on a short line or the one over the top. That I think is much more effective, um, against South Africa and will be more effective against them. The other thing is the kicking game and be able to turn them and not get not uh, overplay phases in the middle uh, of the park. And Ireland can sometimes do that. You know, it's it's, le- it's been a tra- trait that they've done less um, more recently, uh, but they can get into a situation where they're overplaying phases and it gives the opposition, what you just said, the opportunity to get into the game and knock us back 10 and knock us back 10 and then maybe a turnover. That can't happen or can't happen regularly. Uh, and, and an element of that is... Small details are big surfaces, tight corners or odd shapes, flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rustolium. Roundabout Season 2, presented by Nissan, is live now, and we're back to share more stories from the road and the memories made along the way. We're talking rest stops. If we're stopping to get gas, you will be timed. Misguided plans. I grew up in the city, so I have, like, you know, a healthy fear of real extreme darkness. <laughs> a lot of laughs. Y'all weird, but you, yeah, you, you were different. And so much more. Listen and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Actually taking points when you get into the 22, and I mean drop goals. We've seen how impressive Ford was and how you know what an impact that had on the game. Ireland don't want to be in a position where they're in the 22. Yes, you want to have, you know, retain the option to, to break them down because they can do it, but it's very difficult to break down that uh, South African team in their opposition, uh, in, the, in their 22. Actually, it's easier when you're further out the field and, and you have a proper bust. We don't want to get into a situation where we are, you know, um, we are pick and go, pick and go, pick and go, pick and go and, yeah, and turn over. Don't be That's not our game. Whatever you do, we're not good. That's not our game. You know, that's not our game. But bring in this, bring in a drop goal and take points every time you get out there, frustrate them. Because I actually think South Africa, you know, um, they're great uh, front runners, but actually if they get behind, they tend to, they or they can make mistakes. So let's, you know, transfer the pressure onto them. So, no, I think, you, you know, if an Ireland, I think will have identified that and, and, and hopefully we will see more of it. But I suppose my overall impression is given 
what where this team is, the profile of the team, the build up, how the World Cup has gone so far. I think if not now, then when? If not now, then when for Ireland? This is the opportunity for them. And um, if they are, uh, you know, if they are um, to demonstrate that, you know, they're an exceptional team and, and, and worthy of winning the World Cup, then like it starts this weekend. Oh, get you into the no dressing pressure. room there, Shane. Yeah, brilliant stuff. Listen, Shane, absolutely motivational speaker. Thanks so much. Jerry Thorny. <laughs> brilliant. Thanks, Emil. Thanks, Emil. Owen McDevitt, Owen McDevitt from Ireland's second captain show. The second captain's podcast. All five into becoming Russian. The second captain's podcast. It's finger licking good. Special, special. Now, I'm going to tell you this too. I have been hurting because I have been having to tell the truth. About second captain show in Ireland. It's something finger licking good special. That's what I'm talking about. And they do look great because we got that finger licking ass right. So far today, Ken has predicted we're going to go all the way and win the World Cup. Mm-hmm. Our two esteemed rugby pundits there both think we're going to win against South Africa at least this weekend. Couldn't help noticing you sitting there shaking your head for much of the latter part of that interview, <laughs> Murph. I think you've got a bad feeling about this. <sighs> Just judging by your body language. No, you can judge, yeah, body language. I, I think South Africa will probably win, but I wouldn't be massively surprised if Ireland won. I mean, I would be massively surprised if Ireland won a World Cup quarterfinal, though. I mean, I would say there is a 15% chance Ireland get get past the quarterfinal. You don't think it matters if we play New Zealand or France? I think we do better against New Zealand, but I think we'll still lose. Well, there's some, the supercomputer game... I don't, think that's, I don't think that's, a, like, that's necessarily a bad... I'm, like, to clarify, I mean, I don't think that's a terrible World Cup, but I mean, I do think... There's a 15% chance the we super get to win. It actually will be a terrible World Cup at this stage. The supercomputer gave us a 22% chance of winning. Of winning the, the entire, entire World Cup. Cup. And you're saying yeah. only a 15% chance of getting through. Yeah. You know, see again, it's like I was watching the first game against Romania. I was like, God, we're really good. Yeah. And I was doing the same thing on Sunday. Like, geez, this is just this is just brilliant. None of it actually matters, of course. No, that's no. true. I'm not getting like, blown is, away by yeah. the first two performances. That's why I'm saying we'll yeah. see what happens on Saturday. And that's why I'm, I'm, I'm kind of not getting blown away by you know, New Zealand losing in the way that they did to France either. Yeah. Because New Zealand won the rugby championship. Like, they played South Africa twice, they played Australia twice, they played Argentina twice. I am twice. a bit worried about this narrative that New Zealand is definitely the team you want in the quarterfinal. Yeah, yeah like, they won, sure. they won the rugby... I mean, it's not that they played well in the rugby championship and, you know, like, performed creditably. They won the thing. And they won it by beating South Africa. They garroted South Africa. Yeah, so I just... I'm, I, would, I, would, I would just urge caution. You know, I think it would be an unbelievable performance for Ireland to get to a World Cup. I mean, a World Cup semi-final. I think it would be... Yeah. I, I think we're up against it. I think we're going to finally play well in quarterfinal, though. 
Because we, we do We lose those quarterfinals But we also but play terribly Terribly Once yeah, again yeah, to our a... Scottish listeners We are aware We've got a game against you Coming up that could be A make or break playoff Depending mm. on what happens Against South Africa on the play, so There's no on the guarantee play. Of even making the quarterfinals and I've got that little qualifier in there I can let you know that The Ireland team is being named On Thursday So we'll do another rugby podcast For you on that day Graeme Souness will be out tomorrow First book launch still to come this week Champions League as well So loads of great stuff going on Thanks Simon, thanks Ken Thanks Thank Simon, you. Thanks, thanks, thanks Ken Thank you all Thanks, thanks for listening The Second Captain's Podcast As you're aware is part of the ACAST Creator Network Sign up to the World Service now For Ad Free Pods That's the second time it's gone off. They never go home, they never go home, they never go home, those, those, those boys. The second captain's world service. It is not war and death and famine, it's not that at all. It's the opposite of that, it's to persuade the world outside of that. That's why sport's important.